Well, I guess you just have to be prepared to die. Well, what? Cell phones, pay attention. I tell you, start counting five like a sucker. What's the point of knowing it's your birthday when you can't like have a party or actually do anything? That is just like depressing. Yeah, well, I mean, this has actually been a perfect time because I can use that excuse to not have like a bunch of people I don't want around. (laughs) (laughs) And just like, I was like, man, I don't know. I'm trying to be safe, you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. Especially like, I mean, I'm married, so I'm not, like, trying to go out to clubs and stuff. So it yeah. is kind of nice, like, to get out of having to do, like, couples date nights or yeah. <laughs> pretty much anything. You're like, ah, we can't do it for the sake of safety. We better just watch Netflix. Dude, yeah. Aren't couples date nights, like, the worst damn thing on the planet? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Generally, are just, I actually, one of my best friends I met on a couples date night, and we always joke around, that's the only time you I haven't, like, hated the other dude. <laughs> It usually seems like whoever your girlfriend or wife brings you out with, it's like the guy that they're with always totally sucks. Oh, yeah. But, but one time, I guess maybe it's worth it because I met one of my best buddies like that. But the rest is usually just like, oh, let's talk about your job. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. And it's always it turns into like it never feels that it turns into like afterwards your spouse or significant other getting pissed at you because your relationship isn't as good as theirs. It's like God. Yeah, exactly. Or or because you didn't uh, express any interest. Yeah, yeah. Any yeah. other couple, and you're sort of like, well, I didn't have any interest. That's yeah, I know. I came off like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I can't fake anything. <laughs> Dude, oh, uh, I feel I feel even worse though. For me. I sometimes you have to call me. My my friends are all obnoxious comics. I'm like, this is actually probably worse for her. Because now it's like she's just yeah. hanging out with a bunch of like seven year olds. <laughs> yeah, that that can't be enjoyable for her. But I mean, I mean, I don't know. I would like that's the best group of people to be around. Right, exactly. For us, sure. But yeah. for normal people, probably not. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I guess if she married me, she's probably not all that normal, so I guess it works out. Dude, oh man, can we talk about uh reality bites back? Yeah, man, we'll go back fucking 12 years. Dude, I, I know, I know. I just, like, I was re-watching, like, some clips of it. Because I remember watching it, you know, whenever it came out. And, like, I, how that show is not played on repeat on Comedy Central right now is insane to me. <laughs> so funny with that show, because... It has, it like, very few people watch it when it came out, but every yeah. now and then, yeah, I'll meet somebody, and that's so cool of you to say, that, like, totally dug that show, and, like, just thinks it was, like, awesome, and it's, like, so funny how that happens, where certain things just appeal on, like, this sort of niche, yeah. whole level, you know? Yeah, like, the, I mean, just the cast, like, the people that were on that show alone, is ridiculous. Like, well, it's ridiculous now to like go back and look and be like, 
holy shit, like you, Theo, <laughs> Theo Vaughn, Bert Kreischer, Tiffany Haddish, Donnell Rawlings, Amy Schumer, like that whole like lineup of people is insane. It, it really is insane. I mean, it certainly didn't seem like that at the time. Yeah. You know, like nobody was like red hot famous at the time at all. Um, and then when I think about it, it's like, yeah, fuck. Tiffany and Amy Schumer are two of the most sought after comedic actresses on the planet, mm-hmm. particularly Tiffany now. And then yeah. they are just two of like the absolute best comics. Donnell, Donnell was the most famous then. And he's still, yeah. I think Donnell's probably the same level of famous now that he was <laughs> then. Like he's always had this very nice level of fame. And he's kind yeah. of like had it that whole time. Well, and he was like coming off a of Chappelle show already. So like, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was. Yeah, he yeah. was. So he was like famous, and Kyle Cease at the time was pretty well known. And yeah. then, like me and Theo were probably like the lowest on the on the totem pole at that time. Yeah, because Theo he had a little bit of juice from Road Rules, but like we were definitely kind of the young bucks. And I think that's when we became friends like right away. Yeah, so we were probably in that underdog position. But you're right. When you look at that now, it's like holy shit. That's like the SNL of. <laughs> like Comedy Central it truly is yeah like how I mean how fun was it to film like a show like that like with- it was like yeah it was it was a lot of fun it was also kind of terrifying because that was like to me the first thing I ever did and for anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't know it was like this sort of it was pitched to us like a mock reality show like we were going to be it was right when the writer strike was happening mm-hmm. so they needed something that could be all improv so have to hire writers I mean that's yeah. really why the show got made yeah and they told us that we were going to be kind of like, like doing like a sketch sort of improv reality thing. And then the more it sort of evolved, we realized, Oh no, this is like a reality show. Yeah. <laughs> like we are on a reality show. We're not, it's sort of the show is making fun of reality shows, but we mm. are actually still on a reality show. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was fucking, it was weird. It was just like the things they would have you do. were so crazy. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's, you know, the episode where Amy Schumer's in like a, what was like a hot tub full mm-hmm. of like pudding or something. <laughs> it was just nuts. Yeah. And, um, and then, and then Michael Ian Black was the host and it was so funny because he like just thought the whole thing was so stupid and wanted nothing mm-hmm. to do with it. It clearly thought everybody was like a total loser <laughs> on the show. So <laughs> yeah. the whole thing felt like a train wreck, but also like, you know, it was a, a very exciting thing you know just from a financial situation that Mm -hmm. saved me I mean I had like just moved to LA and I had like no money and not that that was like such a payday but it was Mm -hmm. at the time like vastly the most money I ever made it allowed me to like be able to continue uh, I mean I think I was literally sleeping on an air mattress (laughs) in a in the laundry room of a house where I shit you not stole its water from a building next door like there was a hose (laughs) going in our window from the building next door that somehow we were stealing I can't remember how we did it but it was like it was definitely getting to that point so booking that show was like yeah. fucking windfall like is I mean as shitty as you know living in a situation like that is do you kind of in a weird way miss it you know I definitely miss this feeling at that time um you know it felt like the sky's the limit in a certain sense, mm-hmm. you know? 
like when you're just starting out with comedy, especially just moving to LA, I mean, it's terrifying as hell. I didn't know anybody, but there is like this feeling at the time of like, all you got to do is get funny yeah. and then, and then everything will be fine. And maybe that proved to be kind of okay. Cause I, you know, I certainly have never broken out so far, like, you know, Theo and a lot of the, and all the other people we've talked, mm-hmm. but I've been able to make a decent living at it. And so I guess it has taken care of itself, but th- there is something like, you know, at that time, it's so innocent. It's like you just want to get on stage. You just want to perform. And then the more you kind of get into the business, you realize there are so many factors and other things that kind of have to click in for you to really, like, take off. You know? Yeah. Like, like for instance, like a guy like, uh, like a guy like Burt Kreischer, right? He was super funny back then mm-hmm. and was super funny for so many years but then, like, certain things had to kind of happen, you know, for him to do this, to do that, to get that special, to, to kind of make it. But it was never just about being funny. Like, he was already super funny, you know? And, yeah. and Theo as well. It was like, he got super funny long before he blew up, you know? And mm-hmm. Theo was, like, one of my best friends in comedy. So I would see him perform, like, all the time. And he would, he would kill every night, you know? Yeah. And, and he certainly got better, like we all did. But it was certain things, like, had to click, and then the podcast, and then all that. So I guess that at that time I didn't really think about it beyond just like how funny you are, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, so that kind of does make it really exciting because it seems like a more innocent, like, uh, like drive, you know? Cause you really yeah. think it's just purely your next bit's gonna, gonna, gonna flick that switch, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of it is just luck, like sheer luck. It's like a matter of, I guess I'd say what I've noticed in comedy is you don't make it for the most part unless you're super funny. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys who are super funny that don't make it because Mm -hmm. it doesn't tend to be generally just your stand-up that makes it. Like that almost doesn't happen Mm -hmm. anymore. There's a few guys who I started out with like, you know, Nate Bargatze, I, mm-hmm. I, I knew early on, and certain guys like that who were like just became amazing stand-ups and that sort of broke them, yeah, and well deserved. But it seems like everybody else, like you have to find some other angle that gets people to then find your stand-up. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, probably that, and just like how original you can be, because like thinking of somebody like Theo Bond, like that's there's not another one. It's so funny with Theo too because like like I said I've known Theo since that show we like we did some gigs together after that mm-hmm. he was always super funny but what you said right there is exactly what separated Theo like he was always super funny and then he figured out how to also be completely original so mm-hmm. like it, he like basically abandoned the part of his personality and this is just I don't know how he would describe it this is how I saw it yeah. he was sort of like half the guy he is now and half just like a regular white dude comic <laughs> And he somehow figured out how to just shed that other side of him and just put the guy he is on stage now on display. Mm -hmm. And then that made it like like this incredible, just utterly unique human being, you know, that everybody loves now. You know, it it was an evolution to get to there, though. Mm -hmm. It didn't just start out like that. It it was like he really figured out how to either let that entire part of himself out Mm -hmm. or... I, like, I, I, like, I, I don't know how active it was, but from what mm-hmm. I could have seen, it was really like a, a metamorphosis, you know, which was kind mm-hmm. of fascinating because sometimes you see guys like that and you think, 
oh, they just came out of the they just came out of the open mic like that. But no, like you have to. Yeah. It takes a little bit of a thing to find that kind of a voice, which is amazing. I mean, yeah, you watch Theo now. To me, he's like the greatest comic out there because, yeah. like you said, like no one could steal a Theo bit. Like no, uh, no. As a matter of fact, this is a. I really remember this on Reality Bites back. The, one of the first, like you know, when we were younger comics, you know, you, you start always trying out bits on each other, and I mm-hmm. remember. Theo turned to me one time while we were standing there, and he's like, "You know, we were you know trying out jokes or whatever." And he said, hey, "What do you think of this joke?" Uh, so the Jews are clogging up the internet, and I was like, "I don't know how that's a joke. Like, what do you mean how that's a joke?" And then, like years later, he started doing it on stage, and just saying that would get a huge laugh. So I was just like, "How the fuck did you know that was funny?" You know? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, there's like an intuition that well, not just him. I mean probably all successful comics have to have of just like, I've have a pretty good feeling that this would be funny. Yeah. And they, they know how to make it funny in their words. Like I don't really under, I don't see comedy like that. Like I only Mm -hmm. understand if something's funny, if I can see the structure to the, like I can see Mm -hmm. how it's funny, but I don't know how to make something funny unless I can see the joke in it. Yeah. I've always sort of thought of myself as a joke writer. Whereas other people like, yeah, it's like, that's sort of like, Theo's comedy is sort of like some sort of weird jazz. <laughs> like it's off the notes yeah. or something in between the beats. Then there's all this comedy, which is like, yeah, yeah pretty amazing. Well, that is, yeah, that is true. But yeah, because I mean, I don't, I mean, I've tried writing like bits just to see if I could do it. And it's definitely not necessarily easier, but I have to be able to see a structure. Like I don't. I can't just think that something's going to be funny if I can't see where there's like a build up, set up, punchline. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 100%. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. It's sort of like there's a kind of a logical backbone to it. Mm-hmm. But then some of the things that make me laugh the most are not like that, which is strange, you know? Like, yeah. I have a huge appreciation for it. I just sort of like, I. I don't know how you would sit down and create something like that. Well, I, I, yeah, I def, I agree with you for sure. Cause I have just an appreciation for people that can do things I can't do. Yeah, for sure. And, like I love watching it. Cause I mean, if I could do it, then I mean, I don't really care to watch somebody else do it. Not as much at least, but it's right, just, fascinating. you can kind of see the, you can see the scaffolding. You understand yeah, how it's, it's like, done or whatever. it's like being a magician and watching other people's <laughs> magic. Like, that shit's not going to be fun for you, because you already know how they're doing it. Right, right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. Did you did you get in trouble a lot as a kid? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's the... Like, was it more just, like, the stereotypical, like, cliche class clown kind of stuff? Uh, it was, like, some of that, and some just, like... But class clown makes it sound a little cuter than it probably well, was. It was probably just like a lot of like <laughs> hyperactive, you yeah. know, bad temper, like just really like insolent kind of kid. <laughs> like this was just like cursing my parents, kind of a little nutcase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also just so like way too like yeah, just I wouldn't say too much, but just a ton of energy that would just sort mm. of you know get me in trouble yeah quite a bit and, and growing up it's still now my brother is like the most mild mannered like successful just mentally normal person mm-hmm. I know really and so it was always tough as a kid to be like fuck you know like I'd be freaking out my brother was just like a little perfect angel yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's sort of similar like 
me and my brother as well like he was always kind of the hyperactive like can't concentrate kind of person but like i'm just super like laid back but i always got in trouble just for saying highly inappropriate things yeah, 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 that'll Which do it. The, My brother was yeah. like, he would just manipulate, he knew how to manipulate me because I was so much more emotional than him as a kid. So, <laughs> like, if we were driving along and he would say to me, like, oh, we're about to, we're going to pass a McDonald's soon, uh, that would be good to have McDonald's. And I would be like, well, why don't you ask Dad, you know, to stop McDonald's? He's like, oh, I'm not hungry, I don't need meat. And I'd be like, well, fuck. And now, like, you said it to me, so now that's all I'm thinking about, yeah. you know? So now I'd have to be the one to ask for it, and I'd get an old argument with my dad, and finally he would be like, fine, we'll go there. And then my brother would order something. He'd be like, motherfucker. Like, he would just sort of yeah. play in my brain like a little chess set. Yeah. God, that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> a little fucking yeah. sociopath. I know. Damn. So, I mean, were you told as, I mean, maybe not a kid, but definitely like as a teenager, like you should look into comedy? Uh, I mean, I did a little bit of theater when I was a kid. And, and I, so I definitely knew that I was, you know, good in front of a crowd and yeah. liked being in front of a crowd. And then in high school, I started doing these, I had these public speaking contests in my mm-hmm. high school, yeah. which... I ended up being like amazing at like winning all this scholarship money and just sort of like got really into that the last two years of high school. And so I certainly wasn't thinking of comedy, but I definitely liked writing speeches and and delivering them and stuff. And and I thought I wanted to be like a novelist and like write more serious kind Mm. of stuff. And I went to school for that and went to college for that. And and all the stories that I look at them now, they all were pretty darkly funny. I mean, they were definitely always... Mm -hmm at least kind of funny and so it wasn't until after college that I sort of realized you know that, like there's like the great thing about stand up is you can write something you can create something and then you could share it with people that day yeah whereas everything else there's so much production involved even a book or a short story it's like it takes so long to get the thing out and then and then no one really wants to read it or wants to experience yeah. it but stand up you could you could create something and then literally go to your local open mic and sort of you get instant feedback which I think was what really turned me on to Mm. it in the beginning yeah and how did you handle like like bombing or I mean did you did you take it to heart or was were you able to easily disconnect (laughs) yeah yeah I mean definitely I would take it to heart I mean I think um and I think I still do I mean if Mm. if I go up and really like bomb like it'll still like really bother me um, yeah. I guess I could probably shake it off more, but you know, mm. especially when I was a little, yeah, I can't even say especially. Maybe I, maybe I still do. I mean, I think we all like if you're an artist of any kind, mm-hmm. that you put so much of your identity and your ability to do something, and so if you suddenly you know feel like you can't do it or you, you struggle to do it, even in that moment, I think it, it takes like this wind out of you as a as a bean. You know, it's sort of like oh, if you don't even have that. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you? You know, so yeah. like, yeah, I think in the, I, I, I don't remember like bombing a lot when I was starting out because I think I was just sort of energetic and loud and kind mm-hmm. of dirty and whatever. Like I would, and I kind of like a fighter by nature, so I would sort of find a way to get the crowd in some regard. Not that I was so great at it, but I would, I wouldn't like just go up there and die like I would see some people yeah. do in the beginning. But yeah, no, it would definitely, it would definitely bother me for sure. Yeah. Do you think that you've gotten to a point where it's easier to turn a crowd like for you? Like, you know, I mean, I would imagine that some crowds are probably like you're almost destined to bomb just off of the crowd itself. 
I mean, that yeah. that could certainly happen for sure. Um, I, yeah, I think like I, I'm definitely able to, in most circumstances, yeah. get the crowd on my side if I have like you know if I'm headlining. But yeah, um, I've noticed that like at when I've just done guest sets on people's shows and stuff, mm-hmm. I kind of forget the pressure there is in like doing a five or six minute set. Like mm. you don't have the time to get them on your side, the whole thing, you know? So shit can definitely, I feel like some of the most I've bombed in the last few years when I've just been sort of traveling around, I've just sort of popped up one of my friend's shows and like try to do something new to use the stage time. Mm-hmm. And then before I know it, I'm fucking like eating a dick up there for like six <laughs> minutes and you don't have time to dig yourself out. And you're like, oh, why did I even come by and do this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> stayed home. Are you ever surprised, like, like when you're writing like a bit and then you go to do it like the first time, do you in your head, like, are you ever surprised that it wasn't funny? Because, I mean, obviously a lot of them have to just fail. I mean, it's just trial, trial and error. But are you ever like, damn, I really thought that would be funny? And it just isn't. Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. Like, I don't, you know, I mean, I wonder what the greats would say about this, but I feel like I just can't really predict what's going to work. Like, mm. it doesn't seem to generally be the thing that I think is the funniest is the thing that gets to laugh. Matter of fact, I'd say more often it's not that case. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the stories of bands that, you know, they wrote like some bullshit song that they thought, uh, fuck it. We'll just put this on the album. And then that ends up being their biggest song. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I know that. that yeah. I seem like I hear that story all the time with bands are like, Oh, that song we did it three, three sessions or, you know, three times we played the song and that was it. Yeah. yeah I know. It, and it's frustrating actually, you know, because you're kind of like a lot of times you get your biggest laughs off something that you don't think is funny. And that kind of like makes you not like the crowd. because <laughs> You're like, what the fuck's wrong with these idiots? Why are they even yeah. laughing at this? You know, and they're not laughing at the other thing. Yeah. I mean, I would love to one day be able to get a real big fan base or enough that like when I do a comedy club like everyone there is there because they're a fan of mine mm. um, and that must feel great because then you can pretty much just do whatever you want like when yeah. I go headline somewhere like there's people that are see me but a lot of the people are there because you know they're just fucking there yeah. and so you kind of you, you have to kind of hold their hand and bring them along but it must be feel mm. great if you can just do what you want to do and people will find their way to what you're doing as opposed to the opposite yeah for sure and that's got to be like the end goal right i mean yeah it'd be fucking awesome yeah do you but do you think that it gets to a point to where so you know like you'll see certain comedians will do stadiums and in my mind as obviously not a performer i would think that that would be like a horrible way to do comedy like in a stadium (laughs) Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, the, the most I've ever really done is like, I guess, I don't know, 2,500 or something like that, people. And that yeah, that's, is kind of perfect. That's like a, a real sweet spot. So like, is that that's a theater usually? Probably yeah. around there. Yeah, yeah. See, that seems like the sweet spot between like a club and a stadium or arena. Like a, a theater seems like it would be perfect. Yeah, but yeah, when, yeah. That, although I've talked to people like even Theo, I've talked about like when you're on the road, like as he's been over the last, I guess, two or three years, where you're just doing theaters for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that can be, it can be weird because you're just sort of like you don't see the crowd really, you mm-hmm. know, and so you it is kind of like I think you know he, he was he's told me that it's like you, you kind of miss that interaction a bit, you know, that you yeah. get when you're doing clubs. 
I mean, it seems like a problem I'd like to have, but uh, <laughs> I can understand how what, what he's talking about. Because yeah, when you're doing a theater, it's like you really don't see anybody. Like it, it does yeah. feel a little bit like you're, you know, in a little spaceship, and they're all just sort of like gathered around you. It, yeah, that makes sense for sure. I mean, I would imagine that a club would definitely be the probably the most fun, just because you can have a more personal connection and like yeah. really see every individual person laughing. Right, which is great if, if, they're, if they're enjoying the show. Well, sure. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I can't imagine like what that's like for guys like Joe Coy or Kevin Hart or anything like Steve. I mean, I, it, it seems so weird. Like it just doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't seem like the the medium for that, but no. obviously it is. I mean, I guess yeah. it works. No, it definitely works. And everybody, I mean, from the specials you see, they all seem to be like fucking loving it. But it just seems weird for it to look like a fucking Led Zeppelin show. And then, like, Kevin Hart comes out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I mean, and it's crazy, too, because, like, Joe Coy, like, I remember opening for him when we hit in, like, 2009. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, like, I think at the time I just thought, like, this is the funniest. Like, I've never seen a person be this funny, like, for, like, he would do, like, two and a half hours one time. He was just, like, so good. And he is amazing. But mm-hmm. it's, like, he was amazing in front of the, whatever, 85 people that came to see him. And then... Like, he wasn't selling out the club by any means. And then you see him now, like, doing fucking, yeah, he did where the Golden State Warriors play, selling it out. It's like, he's he's just as amazing. Yeah. But he was just as amazing in front of 185 people. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's like kind of what I'm saying. Like, it, it, it takes, like, even someone like that is just as talented as you could be and, like, truly is, like, one of the funniest comics out there. It's like, it just takes that fucking just that amazing sort of grind or that find the people or what, or like, I guess for Joe, he put out this special on Netflix. I think he said that really blew him up. But yeah. I, I, Cause I remember working with Joe, like we would just do stuff during that day. And then he would do like 45 minutes about that on stage. And I was like, how the yeah. fuck is he doing this? You know? Yeah. And he was so like, so connected to the crowd. And so seeing him now do stadiums, it's like, he must just sort of have developed this muscle or ability to be connected to that like in that moment because you can't really be funny unless you're in the moment when I see his specials like in the big theaters like he's in the moment still so maybe it's the kind of thing where if you do it a lot and you you end up finding a way to make it feel like like maybe it feels more normal at that point maybe it feels like you're in a comedy club like because you just sort of yeah you know adjusted yourself to I don't know well yeah I mean I'm sure that like your brain almost has to get to the point to where it normalizes it or else you'd just be yeah. freaking out every time you do it, which can be good. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> That'd yeah. be funny if you didn't normalize it. Like your whole tour, you were just fucking shitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you think that, like, do you have to force yourself to write? Or do you typically just go off of, like, an idea that pops in your head? Um, I generally do force myself to write. Um, I'll kind of like jot down sort of things that are bothering me or I'm, Mm. you know, just generally kind of make me laugh, whatever. Then I'll, I'll try to sit down and and see if I can figure out a way into it or, you know, add some stuff to it. That's what's been really tough about COVID. It's like, since I'm like basically never getting on stage now, it's like, yeah, it's very hard to write stand up because I don't, it's like, you can only have so many ideas, but if you can't try them out and like, oh, okay, I know this works, mm-hmm. then it's hard to kind of keep working on it because for all you know, the whole premise won't work. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't. So you kind of have to piece it together, like on stage a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and a lot of times, what I'll do too is like, oh, especially when it comes time to do like a like a real set for something. If I'm trying to put together an hour, like I'll kind of go through and look at all the different jokes I have, and then sometimes you can you can make it seem like something you've been talking. Like you say, so you can take like five. If in a special, you see like something in you know, talking about it or something, something like for five minutes talking about the same thing. It seems like, whoa, a guy wrote five minutes on that. But maybe it's not that. Maybe it's like you Frankenstein other bits together and then you find like some sort of through line that you can put through them all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, that Which makes sense. Because uh, I'm so jealous of guys like Burton Theo who can tell these like stories, you know? Like mm-hmm. when I see Burton Theo telling stories like that, I'm like, fuck, I just don't have that ability. For me, I have to mm-hmm. kind of like figure out a way to kind of stitch things together because I can't just sort of I don't know I, I, that's not like I, I don't know how to do that yet where like you yeah. can just sort of go on about something for like 20 minutes like yeah that's really I think the pinnacle yeah do you think a lot of that is just naturally in those people to be able to just tell stories and make them funny a bit although I think it is like you probably learn how to how to write like that somehow mm. like because um yeah, I think there's just there's got to be because I've seen just like those guys and other guys like they kind of just getting better and better at storytelling. But probably yeah. there is a, a part of you know like I don't find myself telling a lot of stories in my daily life, mm. so maybe that's sort of you know maybe it is sort of something you're you're kind of wired to be like. Yeah, because like I just you know remember growing up with like like my granddad could tell like hilarious stories. They could easily be told on stage, but I guarantee you if I told him, hey, write out a bit, he wouldn't be able to do it or it wouldn't be funny at least. So it makes me think like maybe he's just good at doing like telling stories just because he always has been. Because it's not like it's something that he has like sat down and practiced. I mean, he's got no reason to. Yeah. But you should steal his stories. (laughs) Yeah. Make him him your own stories. That's the plan. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it'll be kind of hard like, to talk about segregation, you know. But <laughs> hey, still relevant today. Well, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Speaking of, like, I was going back and kind of watching like some of your stuff. The racism in America bit is oh. probably one of my favorite like jokes of all time. Ah, thank you, man. Dude, I really appreciate that. That's no, awesome. no problem, man. It's so fucking funny. Like, especially because it's very realistic to where I'm from, like in Texas, like we hear that shit all the time. So it's like, it's funny to hear somebody actually put it into a bit. Yeah. I mean that, I, that's on that, uh, especially the negative reinforcement. Like I just yeah. sort of like, I, even the way it looks is like, I just wanted it to be so fucking like raw. And I mm-hmm. wanted to have like a lot of just like, uh, went for for lack of a better word, it's sort of like edgy, like this thing kind of like really just trying to attack and sort of say like, like really kind of uncensored yeah. kind of, kind of jokes, which it, it came out exactly how I wanted, mm-hmm. you know, but I do find that it's like, it's kind of divisive because like, you know, people have to really want yeah. that kind of in your face comedy, but that's the kind of comedy I like. And it's Same. not the kind of comedy that's done very much anymore, Mm-mm. but no. um, that kind of like, you know, back of the room sort of like fucking no 
no punches pulled kind of comedy. So I, I like, I definitely love the way that that special came out. Yeah. And then I see people say certain things like, oh, I was offensive this. And I'm like, yeah, well, that was the fucking point. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious to me the like culture of, I mean, I guess it's probably always been this way, but of just everything is offensive. Because it really just yeah, takes away from the things that are legitimately offensive. Because it's like, that shit is obviously exists, but whenever you say every single thing is offensive, people kind of get just like sick of hearing it. I know, like, uh, it's like I was telling you before we start recording, like, I, I just started this podcast called Jews Control the Media. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like me and this other Jewish guy, and we're just sort of like, you know, making fun of, like, you know, anti Semites and different stuff in the media and making fun of other Jews. And it's just sort of like, you know, Jewish dudes, like, perspective on what's going on in the world right now. Yeah. And my wife was saying, she's like, do you think people will get offended that you're saying Jews control the media? And it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, if, if black people are allowed to say the N word, I don't know why. Jews control the media is offensive for a Jewish guy to say. I mean, it, shouldn't it be the same thing? Like, like it is sort of reclaimed. But then she's like, I don't know. Does you know people get offended by everything? It's like it's true. It's like it's just fucking scary. Well, like, yeah, and I never know. I mean, and it would be unrealistic to think there aren't people who would be offended by it. But I mean, damn, if you're gonna control like all of your like every bit you do, everything like your art. If you're going to control it based on, is there a possibility someone's going to be offended? You might as well just stay at home. Exactly. That's what I said to her. I'm like, if that's offensive, then I cannot do comedy. Because that's like, I guarantee we're going to say a lot more offensive shit than that. And it's like, that's the only way I really know how to approach comedy. It's like saying the kind of the taboo thing to say. I mean, that's sort of like, that's what attracts me to it. Yeah, that's the best part of comedy. To me, at least, is the For sure. is the one where like you kind of get a little uncomfortable. Like I love that feeling, and I especially love giving that feeling to other people. And yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, like that's half of that is a thrill. It's like you can, yeah, you could force other people to squirm a bit. Oh yeah, like like that's all I did in school was just try to come up with like try to think of like something really crazy and offensive to say to see if my teacher would like freak the hell out. And whenever yeah. she did, it was like, oh, I won. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're on your way to the fucking principal's office, like high five. Oh, yeah. It was like a victory lap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we're, fu- we're fucked up in the head. Exactly. Other people are trying to think how they can get along with other people. Comedians okay. are trying to think how they can make everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's the best thing. Like, making someone uncomfortable is the funniest thing on the planet. This, this bit on my YouTube channel that I think is so fucking funny and mm-hmm. it's called Proud, The Proud Boys Are a Joke and it's just mm-hmm. me doing like fucking five minutes on The Proud Boys <laughs> and I just think it's so fucking funny and, and you see so many people got so offended about it like I've never had so many thumbs down on a video it was like I think at this point it's like 15 thumbs down 15 thumbs up it was the yeah, most like yeah. just down the middle and people got so pissed off and I'm like, motherfucker, like, even if you're a proud boy, you gotta see it's just good jokes. Like, you can't yeah. even laugh at the jokes. Like, people just get so riled up. And yeah. like, oh, like, dude, they don't understand. The more they're getting angry, the more I'm fucking having a great time with this dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I've always been, like, a fat kid, and now I'm just, you know, a fat adult. But if someone makes a joke about me being fat, if it's funny, then I think it's the most hilarious thing on the planet. Like, yeah, it's all where you're coming from with it. I mean, yeah. that's that's all. It's all that like intent. 
that people have sort of lost the ability to kind of monitor. Yeah, exactly. Or understand. Yeah, like if you know, if I'm at Walmart and somebody says, "Hey, watch out, you fat bastard," like, I'm <laughs> yeah, not really. Gonna love it. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be like, "What the hell?" But if someone like says that I look like Rosie O'Donnell, I think that that's hilarious because I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Who were some people that you were like a huge fan of growing up? Um, when I was younger, people I, you know, I really just love stand-up comedy in general. So yeah. like growing up, I'd say Woody Allen, Jackie mm. Mason, who uh, I don't know if you know who that is, because yeah. like he's like a god in the, in the Jewish community, oh, yeah. especially of the Jewish community of like you know, the 80s and stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Chris Rock, Bring the Pain I just remember like having that mm-hmm. album memorized and then Jeff Foxworthy's uh, you know you, you might be a redneck I mean you know at that time like you just you, you basically just sort of had whatever your parents had which happened to be Woody Allen and Jackie Mason and then whatever was like the most famous because there was nowhere to get stand-up comedy as a kid you know yeah. or even as an adult apparently I don't know where you would get it I guess because they sold CDs but only a few guys would have CDs in the stores you know um, yeah but I just, yeah, I loved all those guys. And then, uh, and I first started getting into comedy. I mean, when I first got into comedy, like 2004, like everybody wanted to be David Tell. Mm. And yeah. so he was sort of like the guy we were all obsessed with. And then uh, Daniel Tosh, I always liked mm-hmm. a lot. And, and then Dane Cook, you know, people really like took a lot from him. I feel like he was the guy everybody wanted to be. And then, yeah. you know, and then at that point, you know, Bill Burch and, I mean, I think like all those guys, like all those tough crowd with Colin Quinn guys, like, mm-hmm. those were, those, that show was huge when I was just starting comedy. Yeah. And so like the, the weeks when I got to open for Jim Norton or got to open for Patrice O'Neill, like those were like very special weeks. And, you know, um, I've actually gotten to be on Anthony Cumia's uh, mm-hmm. podcast a few times, just been cool. Yeah. Politically, yeah. it's not quite a... Uh, Politically, it's not quite where I'm at, but he's so fucking talented, right? So yeah, no, it's, exactly, uh, for sure. That's cool. No, I'm Tough Crowd was another show that I really fucking loved growing up. Like I yeah, wish that great. that would come back or some like iteration of it, but I mean, without Colin but Quinn, it wouldn't really be the same. It's no. like it was those guys. It was that click. Yeah, that was like so. It was just like all those guys were just so good together mm-hmm. in a way that they kind of like. It's weird, but like that was kind of like where those guys were the best, I think. Yeah. Like they, they haven't really, like there hasn't really. Uh, well, it's hard to say because, like you know, so. But but that that somehow brought out the best of all of those guys mm-hmm. together. Well, and it's like it's the thing of where people that are just regular people. So like me, we love seeing like comedians interact with other comedians. Because they're trying to make each other laugh, which is a step above them trying to make us laugh. And that's what Tough Crowd always seemed like. Was like Patrice O'Neill trying to see if he could make, you know, Jeff Ross or Colin Quinn or Greg Giraldo try to make them laugh. And you kind of got to like pull out more stops whenever you're doing it like that way. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Yeah. And and like it was that, it was that Opie and Andy like, like I just loved that show at that time and it was just yeah. like that style of comedy was just like what everybody wanted to do and it's so funny because like none of that shit could you do now 
Like, mm-hmm. all, like it would just get you immediately uh, <laughs> canceled around the fringe of Hollywood or something like that, which is so stupid. But oh, it's like, yeah. yeah, that was, yeah. you know, that was completely like the highest level of comedy was at that time, like just basically racist, dirty, sexist. <laughs> like that's what comedy was. You know, and people kind of forget that very quickly. You know, yeah. like if you look at those old Comedy Central specials, Tough Guy. I mean, it was like the whole thing was fucking racist and just oh, yeah. offensive, and you know that was a whole joke of it. Yeah, I mean, it had like, you know, whenever there's a room with Colin Quinn, Nick DiPaolo, and Patrice O'Neill, like of course, like all the jokes are going to be racist jokes, but they were so <laughs> funny. Like it's, it's I know, a, I know. Yeah, it's, it, it is like it's amazing how quickly like that stuff is you know like i was even playing <laughs> david tell's album for my wife and, mm. and david tells like i always thought like fairly like not offensive mm-hmm. like it's just sex jokes basically yeah yeah like, yeah for sure but even some of his jokes she was like jesus what is he saying he had sex with her she was asleep i'm like yeah but it's like it's all just like a fucking joke you know but like the biggest joke at the time when i started comedy was this david tell joke where he was like we had sex doggy style not my fault just the way she passed out it's just like you know it's an innocent whatever just a joke joke but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. my wife was like so he raped her i, was just, yeah. like, I don't think that's what he was saying but yeah i guess no, maybe. yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you want to, like, analyze the joke, which always makes a joke so much funnier. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, do you go back, like, I mean, I definitely do this with, like, music and movies where I think, God, I wish music, music especially, but I think, God, I wish music was the way it was back in the day. Like, I music sucks now. There's nobody like, you know, Peter Gabriel or any, you know, random person. But comedy is, like, one of the only art forms that no one thinks that. It seems like, like everybody's so eager to find something new. Yeah. Like, I'll, yeah. like, yeah, I wonder like why that is. Cause you would think that like for comedy, people would do it too. They'd be like, yeah, you know, but there's no Eddie Murphy anymore or there's no Andrew Dice Clay, Sam Kinison, like all those guys, but people don't really do that. Comedy like is so subjective to the time and place. Like if I listen to, uh, that old Jewish guy that was so offensive people thought Lenny back Bruce? in the day wait what's his name Lenny Bruce yeah 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 when yeah. I listen to Lenny Bruce I don't find it funny really hell all. no and I know he was like so iconic but like yeah this doesn't make, really make me laugh and even mm-hmm. a lot of like George Carlin stuff like I kind of like I, well, I know I'm supposed to think this is like the greatest thing ever man and a lot of it I just don't really get into it. It, so I think there's yeah. something with, with some comedy it's like it's subjective like if I watch you know, if I'm trying to watch Married with Children in Living Color now, like it's not gonna really make you laugh as much as you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely. Or like whenever you go back and watch like episodes of SNL from the '70s, like you're supposed to think that that's the funniest era of Saturday Night Live, and it's not funny, or at least to me, none of it's funny. Yeah, because like, it's it's. Comedy is not like music where things just remain classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. It gets dated quick. I mean, not all of it. Like, you know, obviously you can go back and watch Delirious or something like that, and it's still hilarious, but the majority of it, like George Carlin especially, like he, I know he's like an icon, but it's not that funny. Or Bill Hicks even. It is is tough. I mean, I guess it's like the greats. I guess the greats, like... um, 
are, are there's always going to be it's always going to be funny those classic yeah. classic things but for sure it's like trying to watch a fucking old movie it's like god this shit is moving so yeah yeah like when you watch like bullet and it's supposed to be like this high impact action movie and it's like dude there hasn't been shit happen in like an hour and a half <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah for sure dude well uh now, last question before before you go. Uh, if you could go camping with any two comedians, who would it be? Camping with any two comedians. Huh. Um, I guess it'd be Theo, because I'd want to hear his fucking weird observations about nature or something like that. And he seems like he kind of, he's got the haircut of a guy who could survive outdoors. Yeah. And then, uh, fuck, I mean, I guess you gotta go Rogan because he's the only guy who can like fight off a bear or something. Exactly. I mean, exactly. No one else really probably knew would know what to do. No. He, fuck no. He, he'd be able to bear. I mean, you wouldn't want to go with Burke because he'd probably be like huffing and puffing on the trail and stuff. <laughs> I feel like Don L. Rollins probably has never been camping and wouldn't be too good at it. Yeah, yeah I'd say Rogan yeah. and Theo would be a good combo. That's a good one. Yeah, for sure. That's the safe bet. That's the same thing. I'm going to go save that because I hate camping. So oh, I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, man, Mo, I really appreciate it. I had a great time talking to you. Uh, when, like, what days does the podcast drop? Like, do you drop it like, so weekly uh, or? Dropping on, uh, I think, Wednesdays or Thursdays. So we're kind of basically one of the two days you can look for it. So if you check it out on YouTube, Juice Control the Media Podcast is our channel, Juice Control the Media on iTunes. And uh, super funny, we got it all set up where we can play videos and, you know, we cruise through the internet. It's, uh, if you check out the episodes, like it's, it's got a pretty nice high production value. Yeah. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been fun, man. I'm excited about it. Hell yeah, man. Check that For sure. Out. Yeah. Well, man, Mo, I've had a great time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Well, happy birthday, and hey, thank uh, you. I can't wait to hear this when it comes out. Let me know. I'll uh, blast it out. Most definitely. Thank you. Well, I guess you just have to be prepared to die. Well, what? Pay attention. Get off your cell phones. Pay attention. Start counting five like a sucker. Bang.